So we have um, this little, uh, my sermon today. It's one of those transitional Sundays because, as we mentioned, it's Christ the King Sunday. Um, uh, you know what? Before I get started, I just want you to know, someone referred when I walked in this morning on a little bit lighter note. They said, gee, Pastor Harold, you have Michigan colors on today. And so I want you to know, I, I, I'm gonna ta- I just want you to know, I, that was not the intent for all of you Ohio State fans. I am so sorry. was not thinking when I pulled it out of the closet this morning. Okay, just want to clarify that and make that, get that right out of the box this morning. And what a clarify, I say. All right. So uh, this, this sermon today, uh, it's kind of one that uh, I wanted to focus on being grateful. Um, you know, we had this, hopefully you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I always try to focus at least one Sunday of the year, just uh, focus on added, um, um, being grateful. And I love this quote. I don't, can't remember if it was from Zig Ziglar or, or uh, John Maxwell. He said, you know, it's not your aptitude, but it's your attitude that would determine your altitude. I like that. So we're going to talk about um, having an attitude of gratitude this morning. And so I, I picked out some great pieces of scripture um, from Paul. And what I, what I love about Paul, um, and I have such a deeper appreciation for Paul after going on this journey of Paul with some, several of our people from our church. And, um, and how the, the, um, the fortitude that Paul had, the resilience, and going through um, all the adversity and the travel that he did. And I think he traveled like 10,000 miles. And it's just amazing. And... And what I, I, there's, there's this kind of patterns you read through the letters of Paul. And what we find with Paul, he was always finding joy in life. And finding joy and passion and love for Christ. The joy of preaching and teaching the, the love of Christ. And even in the adverse and difficult circumstances that he faced over and over again, he always had joy. And the other thing I found, and this is what we find, and you can go back and read for yourself. Look at all the different letters that Paul wrote. There's this, once again, there's this silver line into it. He's always just so grateful. Um, so I, I picked out a few pieces of scripture this morning that I want to focus on being grateful. So this comes from 1 Thessalonians. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. You hear that? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He said this in the book of Philippians. He says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He said this in the book of Colossians. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And in gratitude in your heart, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So um, I, I wanted to share to kind of start today. And I, I love this. You know, I was... I love this time, this Christmas season, because I always enjoy watching the new commercials come out, and I always find one that I really just like. So this is one that came out early this year, and it's, so far it's like my favorite commercial. So um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but um, I, I'll, well, let's just show it. It's about a minute long. Here we go. Hobby Lobby commercial. <laughs> I love that. A Hobby Lobby commercial. That's not bad, isn't it? Christmas is what you make it. You get it? Hobby Lobby is a craft store. You make all this kind of cool stuff. Yeah. 
Christmas is what you make. And, you know, I love that commercial. And the reason why I love that commercial is, um, I mean, I, I, I spent some time reviewing that. And, and so you have this kid. By the way, what's the kid's name? Sam, right? You wrote his name down, Sam. You pay attention to detail. And then you have uh, Sam, you know, he's a typical kid. You know, he loves playing Xbox. But, his, you know, his mother's very patient with him. He doesn't really pick up after himself. But then there's the clothes laying there. And... And then he's, you know, there, go ahead and get up from eating breakfast, and he has this idea. His mom doesn't even tell him what to do. He just comes to this epiphany, has this idea. And so, you know, I can, well, you know, I look at the, he looked at the tree and had one little, it was like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? I can do something about this. So he goes, and he sells his Xbox, uh, his little control panels, controllers, and gets enough money to go reset Christmas for his mother. Um, his mother's got a stressful job. He doesn't, as a matter of fact, she's a single parent, it looks like, right? And he, they have one car. He has a bike. And so he fixes Christmas for his mother. And if you watch the detail, um, you know, she's kind of surprised. He walks into the door. There's a wreath there. And she's kind of taken back. What's going on here? She walks in the door and sees him there. And he's got a red sweater on and his shirt tail's taken out, hanging out, right? You notice that? Like a wrinkle. But he's standing there. He's as proud as a peacock, isn't he? Yeah, I love that. Christmas is what you make it. And you know what's interesting, as I've thought about the theology of that, so um, the theology of that is not exactly what we find in the scriptures, because when I wrote this, when I was putting my thoughts down about that particular commercial, um, I, here's just my thought about, you know, Christmas is what you make it. Um, actually, Christmas is what you make it, maybe Christmas is what God made for us. Think about that. So... And the tagline, because it's a Hobby Lobby commercial, Christmas is what you make it. Yeah, okay, that's true. Christmas is what you make it from the context of, like, Christmas is this beautiful season. It's a season of uh, peace and joy and love, hope. This is when we're going to, next week, we're going to be start lighting the Advent candles, and these are the key focuses that we have in the Christmas season. So in that sense, Christmas is what you make it, and that in the context of how we can be kind and gracious and generous and thankful to people but let's get our theology right right christmas is what god made for us in jesus christ and that's a gift and we should be thankful can amen on that christmas is what you make it christmas is what god made for us for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life Yes, Christmas is what God made for us. So I, I was thinking this weekend about gratitude, and we should be grateful. And uh, having an gra- attitude, grat- uh, attitude of gratitude. So here's my, my, my little quote for us. That this is what Harold wrote. And so can you put this quote up? It's called, So there are a lot of things that are overrated in life, and being grateful is not one of them. Entitlement is overrated. Gratitude is not. So I was thinking about that, about things overrated. So, you know, I always try to keep things kind of current. So I said, you know what? Um, I went to the internet. And, you know, of course, the internet never lies. And so I went to the internet, and I thought, okay, what are, what are they saying in 2023 that are things that are overrated? So I, I, this is what I found. Chances are you would not know these, but I looked them up, so they got to be accurate. Okay, so... Celebrity culture is overrated, expensive designer clothing, reality TV shows, selfies, over-elaborate weddings, large diamond rings, large engagement diamond rings, upscale coffee shops, fine dining with small portions, designer handbags, 
premium cable TV packages, gourmet ice cream, and celebrity fragrances. Then I found another list, and I'm, this is what I thought this is really interesting. A formal education, work, being right, Netflix, celebrity, suntans, iPhones, and TikTok. And I thought, you know what? A 23-year-old had to write that, right? Because <laughs> work is overrated. So I was thinking about that, the idea of, well, the attitude of gratitude and the idea of what we're really grateful for in life. I love this quote from John Maxwell. He says, people hear your words, but they feel your attitude. And then I, I, I thought this was really interesting. I picked this up and he talked about our, this is at Maxwell. He says, our attitude determines our approach to life. Um, and, and when we look at life, and I, I remember when I was a kid growing up, my, my sister's here and my mother are here and my father used to, when I would get a little sassy, I know y'all can't imagine me being sassy, but I would be a little sassy with my dad and my father would say, he says, Harold Ray, you need to take a personality pill. <laughs> sassy. So your attitude determines your kind of your approach at life, your attitude determines your relationship with people. Uh, therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Matthew seven twelve. The Stanford Research Institute concluded success in life, 12.5% knowledge, 87.5% ability to deal with people. Often our attitude is, only um, is the only difference between success and failure. If you go on a job interview, those who sent a note or a follow-up email were 85% higher to get the job than those who didn't by saying thank you for your time. There is very little difference in people, but, there, there, but that little difference makes a big difference. John Maxwell. Uh, a Yale University president some years ago gave some advice to a former president at Ohio State. <laughs> always, be kind, always, uh, wait a always be kind to your B students. Someday, one of them will return to your campus and be a very good professor. Always be kind to your C students, and someday one of them will return and build you a $10 million science lab. <laughs> Number four, our attitude can turn our problems into blessings. What is the difference between an obstacle and opportunity? Our attitude towards it. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. And number five is your attitude is not automatically good just because you're a Christian. Oh, wow. Just a thought, the seven deadly sins, pride, coveting, lust, envy, anger, gluttony, and laziness are all matters of attitude. Never thought about that. Your attitude is related to being grateful, your gratitude. So I was thinking about this this week, and so I made myself a list. Um, the, um, and I, you know, once again, the, our focus today is having an attitude of gratitude. And I don't know if you've ever done this, so I'm going to encourage you to do Right, so, we're, you know, we're going into this season of, um, of Advent, the coming of Christ, the King of Kings, and we should really be grateful because, after all, um, Christmas is not really what we make it, per se. Christmas is what God has made for us, and we should be grateful. So here's my, what my challenge for all of us to think about. I, I want you to maybe sit down between now and maybe the end of today, and I, I want you to maybe jot down your, 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 maybe your top five list, your top ten people of people that you're really grateful for. I did that this week. Actually, I made my list. They're right here. 
And, um, and these are people that had in, in profound influence in my life that I'm just grateful for. And, and some of them are living, some of them have been passed away. But, you know, if they're, if they're living, maybe it would encourage us or behoove us to maybe write a personal, wait a minute, ready? A personal note. Does anybody remember writing a personal note? A personal this note saying, thank you so much for what you did in my life. I, I appreciate the influence you have. So I, I wrote down the, the people or the who's, I'm grateful too. And then I wrote down, uh, this is a great list, the, the things that I, what I'm thankful for. So here's my first one. Um, I, I actually went to Publix this last week and no one yelled at me. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. I, I actually, that actually happened. I went and got my sub, but no one yelled at me about anything. Um, I'm grateful that Mountain Dew is actually buy one and get one free this week at Publix. I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I'm grateful for long runs and sunrises, kids that are healthy, a wife that loves me, a daughter that's given us two beautiful grandchildren, um, a church that actually appreciates me. Thank you. I'm thankful for my dermatologist. He'll be here next service. <laughs> Friendships that have endured lifetimes. A smartphone that's smarter than me. The Miami Dolphins that are actually good this year. And a lawnmower that actually works because I love the smell of fresh cut grass. So maybe it would behoove us to think about this, you know, this season, this, this time of you know, Thanksgiving, this transitional time about things that we're actually just kind of um, grateful for. The people in our lives the things in our lives that we shouldn't take for granted because I'm telling you, gratitude is, should not be overrated. I, I think about some great quotes this last week. I, I picked out some of my favorite gratitude quotes. I want to share them with you about being grateful. Uh, the first one comes from Ms. my wife, Mrs. Hendren, when we first got married. I shared this with you before. Harold, I put you first and you put me first and no one second. Charles Spurgeon says, we are in a wrong state of mind if we are not in a thankful state of mind. Zig Ziglar says, be grateful for what you have and stop complaining. It bores everybody else, does you absolutely no good, and doesn't solve any problems. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, one of the greatest modern theologians, by the way, Hitler killed him. In a normal life, we hardly realize how much more we receive than we give, and life cannot be rich without such gratitude. It is so easy to overestimate the importance of our own achievements compared with what we owe to the help of others. Oscar Wilde wrote this, if you don't get everything you want, think of the things you don't get that you don't want. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second. <clears throat> David Rash wrote, we're not grateful people because we're happy. We're happy because we're grateful. And I love this kind of belligerent t-shirt. I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to explain all the reasons why I'm right. I love that. <laughs> So where are we on the gratitude meter on a ranking from one to five? How grateful are we are? I, I thought this is interesting this week. I mentioned this actually last week about, you know, generosity and being grateful. And, um, and I thought this was a really interesting quote um, from the Cleveland Clinic. Um, if you're grateful and you're generous, two kind of simultaneously, you have this attitude of gratitude, um, it lowers blood pressure, uh, increases self-esteem. There's less depression for people who are generous and grateful. They have a lower stress level as they hey, live longer, and they have a greater um, happiness and satisfaction in life. Hmm. 
So I was thinking, um, you know, let me just teach for a second. And once again, I, I, I was thinking about this this week, um, this, this great story that we have. And what I, uh, we have the story of the 10 lepers, right? And once upon a time, Jesus is there and, and um, he is going along the, the Samaritan border and Jesus really shouldn't be there because he's a Jewish person. The Jewish people don't get along with the Samaritans and Samaritans don't get along with the, the Jews, and so Jesus is going along, and then he, and he runs into these ten lepers. It's one of those classic, you know, grateful stories, right? And so when, when he runs into them, um, it's interesting um, that they have to kind of keep their distance. Matter of fact, um, let, me, let me see if, yeah, here we go. So here's the, dis, here's the distance. Let me, um, hold on, let me get my little thing here. Okay, so here's the distance. So here's Jesus over here. Jesus is over here. And lepers are over here. Do you know how the distance from here to here? 50 yards. They had to keep their distance. And, and what I love about Jesus is that Jesus is always about closing the gap. Um, and so what was very powerful about this particular story is that, you know, so Jesus is there and um, they, are, they, they have to keep their distance and, you know, they, hey, Jesus, you know, have mercy on us. And, and so he says, hey, listen, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, of course, the tradition was back then was that if you wanted to have a clean bill of health and you actually wanted to be, um, one thing you could be cured or be healed or, you know, but it was another, the priest had to give you a clean bill of health. In that tradition. So you had to go show yourself to the priest, and the priest would check off that you actually have been healed, or you you're no longer have leprosy anymore. So they go on their way, you all know the story, and along the way, all ten of them are healed. But only one of them shows back up to thank Jesus. And the, the story is great because once again, there's this tension going on between the Jews and the Samaritans, and so the and the and the story, it's very specific. They the person I was writing this in the gospel. He, he says, and this person was a Samaritan. And what's very powerful about that story is that you find the person at Jesus' feet. And what I love about that story is Jesus is always about closing the gap between other people. Another great story is um, uh, 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 the, the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, I think. I mean, that's a long time to bleed, isn't it? She's been hemorrhaging. Um, and, and so she um, is anemic. She's a, she spent all her money on everything she could possibly, um, every outlet, and yet she was, no one could help her. Until one day she's there with much the crowd, and she's pressing against the crowd, which she really shouldn't be in the crowd because she's considered unclean, and yet she finds herself clinging to the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus feels the power go rushing out of him. Because the woman's healed. And Jesus stops in the midst of all that and then says, hey, wait a minute, um, who touched me? And the disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? Look at all the people. No, someone stopped me. Somebody touched me. And so the woman says, uh, it was me. I'm the one that touched you. I think that's a beautiful story because, once again, it reminds us that how Jesus is always doing his best to bridge the gap. 
I, I love that story of the woman of the well. It's another classic story, isn't it? She goes in the middle of the day. She's ostracized. Jesus has that conversation with her. Hey, go, you know, go tell your husband. Well, I don't really have a husband. Jesus, ah, wrong answer. You've had five husbands. The guy you're shacked up with ain't your husband, right? <laughs> wrong answer. How do you know that, right? What a great story. No one else wants to be around that woman except Jesus is willing to be around that woman, bridging the gap. Well, here's another one. The Bible is full of these stories. Mary Magdalene. You know, when Jesus, um, he goes and he is up in, uh, in Nazareth, and then he's not accepting his hometown because no prophet is accepting his own hometown. So then he has to leave Nazareth, and he goes, his, makes his way to start his ministry in Galilee because he's not accepted there. And by the way, if you make your way from Nazareth down this little valley called the Path of Doves, been there many times, one of my favorite places in the world, the first place you stop is Magdala, and Jesus heals a woman by the name of Mary from Magdala, and she's got seven demons. I'm pretty sure if you got seven demons, a lot of people don't want to be around you. But Jesus is about bridging the gap. So here's, here's a, just a, let me just teach for a second. Let's talk about bridging the gap. Uh, the, the Temple Institute, the Temple Institute surveyed a bunch of people, and they said that, here's interesting, 100% of people, when they're asked this question, 100% says, you know what, being grateful is actually a very good idea. We, I think everybody should be grateful. I, I think that people should be thankful. It's 100%. What's interesting is they found, you ready? 50% of us, are not grateful, and 50% of us are grateful. Let that sink in for a second. I mean, when it comes to life in general, this is what the statistics said in the Temple Institute. When they ran the survey, they, they found that many people, half of people in America just are not grateful for what they have or what they do or just going through life. And yet, Jesus is all about trying to bridge that gap, isn't it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus teaches us about love our neighbor, not be so selfish, not to be so self-centered. Can we just be kind to each other? Be grateful for each other? Oh, wait a minute, here's a thought. Because gratitude is not to be overrated. Because it's ain't. It's not. You know, I was thinking about, once again, to reflect upon this week, and one of the things I learned from my mother a long, long time ago, she says, you know what, Harold Ray, what if uh, anybody ever does anything for you, make sure that you write them a note. And I've really tried to do that. I, I've tried to be intentional about, you know, taking the time and thanking people if they've ever given me anything or done anything for me. It's something I learned from my mother. I appreciate that kind of ethic. And it's not just texting. And it's not just the email. It's a note. I think about, um, once again, in life, about how sometimes we just take people for granted. That this, this the simple little things. Like, for example, the other day, um, uh, the, we have a, the waste management people come to our house, and now they, they don't have, the garbage collector guys don't actually get out of the truck anymore, and they take your garbage and put it in the back. Now it's all, uh, it's all kind of, anim it's, 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 they have this big claw thing, and they gave us this great big green garbage can where we live. And so it just, the guys don't even have to get out anymore. Pretty simple. 
So the claw thing um, grabs the garbage can and it throws all the stuff in the back of the truck and shakes it all around and plops it back down. And, and so the other day I had put some, um, some uh, like stuff I had, trimmings I had from the trees and some moss and I put it in there. And so, um, so they flipped my, the, my garbage can up. I happened to be standing there that day. And, and then they put it back on the ground. And so what happened was a bunch of moss got stuck on the claw thing. And so the guy actually had to get out of the truck and pull all the moss off the claw thing, right? And so, hey, and so I walked out to go get the garbage can that's now empty. And I told the garbage collector person, I said, hey, man, I am so sorry uh, that you had to get out of the truck and go to all the moss. And he said, hey, no, no problem, man. And I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. When's the last time you thanked your garbage collector guy? Right? Or thank the person that maybe cleans your pool. Or thank the person that mows your grass. It's not entitlement, right? We should just be grateful for the simple little things in life. Here's the thought. When's the last time when you went to Culver's or McDonald's or one of these places and you... You see the person that takes your order, and just to say her name is Victoria, and you say, hey, Victoria, because you, you, know, you know her name because her name's on the name tag, right? And you look at Victoria in the eye, and Victoria says, hey, listen, how can I take you? What can I do for you? What would you like to eat? And you give Victoria your order, and then you say, Victoria, thank you so much for taking my order today. When's the last time you did that? It's one of those just kind of mindsets of just, once again, remind ourselves that we aren't entitled, but we should just be grateful that people want are willing to serve us, and we should be grateful for it. When's the last time when the waitress came and, once again, poured a little another batch of iced tea in your glass? Before she left, you went, thank you so much for doing that. It's just, once again, this mindset. So I, I close with the, this thought today because, once again, Jesus is always teaching us about being grateful, about closing the gap, right? We should be the idea of, once again, being, have this attitude of gratitude and not putting distance between us and other people, but, once again, bridging the gap of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, so here's the last story today. My friend Christopher uh, Steed is here. He's actually here today. And uh, Christopher wrote me this beautiful email this last week. And she, it, it was a uh, piggyback on this generosity sermon I did, sermon series I did. And he said, this is what he wrote to me. He says, hey, Pastor Harold, uh, one time I, and he's talking about him being grateful and someone being generous to him. Matter of fact, let me put a picture of Christopher. Here's a picture of Christopher up on the screen. Christopher is going to our, um, our Night to Shine event, and I asked him for that picture, and I gave him, he gave me permission to show it. This is the suit that he picked out last Saturday. And his mom took a picture of it, and I said, can you send me a picture of Christopher so everybody can see who he is? So Christopher is going to Night to Shine. So Christopher said, hey, one time, Pastor Harold, I truly experienced generosity. It was in October of 2009. My mom got a call in August saying, hey, would your kid like to go to Disney World? And when we said yes, they flew us down to Orlando on an American Airlines. It was called a wish flight. I stayed at a place called Give Kids the World Village. And when they showed us our villa, they told me that I got the master bedroom and the bathroom complete with a jacuzzi. When we when we ha we had ultim we had unlimited fast passes at Walt Disney World, and I can honestly tell people I was a star during that time. 
the only thing I didn't like about it was when it was all done. So I, so I, I called Christopher, and I said, Christopher, can I just share this story with our congregation? He said, sure, Pastor Harold. And then um, his mom got on the phone, Vicki, and she says, Pastor Harold, do you know the story before the story? And I said, no, what is it? And she says, well, the Give Kids the World Village is actually um, started by a guy by the name of Henry Landworth. Matter of fact, we got a picture of Henry Landworth, and here is Henry with a bunch of the kids who have gone to um, give kids the world. And so what's very powerful, you ready for this? Henry was born in Belgium um, in March 7, 1927, and Henry actually spent from the age 13 to 18 in the German concentration camp in Auschwitz. 13 to 18, and he survived. So then he comes to America, um, and he has 20 bucks in his pocket. And he actually enlists, and he gets to go to school on the GI Bill. And then he becomes, um, he gets in, somehow he ends up in the hotel industry, and um, he is in charge of a hotel on Cape Canaveral in the 1950s, and all the astronauts stayed at his hotel. And he becomes very good friends with a guy named John Glenn. And he also becomes very good friends with a guy named Walter Cronkite. And that's the way it is. <laughs> and so, evidently, Henry becomes extremely successful in the hotel industry. And he decides he wants to build this village near Disney World to give hope to children. Wow. He wants to give back to America for giving him an opportunity. He wants to give back to the community and specifically focuses on children. And I thought this is the, the, the thing that really impressed me when I watched, Henry is already, he passed away a few years ago, but then when I watched the video of the Henry's vision to build this village near Disney World to be able to help children, um, he says, the first thing he says, I... I I like to believe by them coming to this place that ultimately it might proclaim, prolong their lives because it gave them hope. Because many of the children maybe were dealing with cancer or something like that. The second thing he says, I, we never ever turn down a child. And the third thing that Henry that I thought was really powerful when I watched his interview, he says, you know, when I come here, I know that God is here. So I, I think about giving and about generosity. And I think what I love about that story is I, it just reminds me of this wonderful gift that God has given to all of us. Because Henry wanted to give kids the world. But God gave us the world. And God has given us the Christ child. His name is Jesus. Amen. And by the way, he is the king.